Welcome to the Agree to Disagree show, a show that discusses news, politics, and pop culture with your host, Luigi C. I want to see how many people I can agree to disagree with. We will try to solve life's great mysteries. Why is the sky blue? Why do we lean left or right? Why are we all nuts? Let's start the show. What is up, everybody? Good evening. Welcome to episode 14 of the Agree to Disagree podcast show. So glad to have you on tonight, guys. Uh, and again, guys, another special treat tonight. And I'm going to be introducing you shortly. But as I do every week, let me remind you, we are streaming live on Facebook and YouTube live at the Agree to Disagree show. Guys, feel free. Already people saying comments, say hi. Let's try to make this interactive questions any comments for our, our guest. And without further ado, I'm going to start my introduction. So so my guest tonight is sort of what meets to Montreal, sort of like you could put him in the same sentence as smoke meat and our host tonight. Our host tonight is Joey Elias, a stand-up comedian as well as an actor based in Montreal. He has appeared in 16 Just for Laughs festivals. That's incredible. Including four televised gala performances. He has headlined clubs around Canada, the U.S., and the U.K. He has traveled to entertain Canadian armed forces while serving abroad on multiple occasions, including visits to Rwanda, Afghanistan, Haiti, and CFB Alert, located in the North Pole. His commitment to the armed forces continued in 2017 when he spearheaded a fundraising campaign to successfully save Legion 212. He has also appeared in a variety of movies and TV shows, including the blockbuster The Day After Tomorrow, he hosted his own radio show called The Comedy Show with Joey Elias on CJAD and can be seen on global TV in his own segment, Everyday Joe. We'll definitely discuss all that. So allow me just to play a little clip here before we bring Joey on. I'm going to try to try to get this on here. And I won't forget to share the audio. But I hate house parties because I've never, ever been in the right room. You know what I mean? Like the big dance party of the parties over there. I'm in this room, the small one with this person. I'm so sad. I'm so sad my cat died and now I have seven. And I'm like, whoa, uh, that is terrible. And I, I know you for all of two minutes. And I can assure you, without a doubt, that cat killed itself. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, without further ado, our guest tonight, actor, comedian, Joey Elias. Hey, everyone. Hey, what's up, buddy? Joey, how you doing, man? Did you like that clip? Um, I do like that joke. Because it's, yeah? yeah, I know the person I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um it 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 brings, you know, and also just watching stand up from the comedy nest. That's so sad. Yeah, it is. Listen, while we even let's go straight there. How many how many comedy uh, clubs do we have left in Montreal? 
Just the car officially. Yeah. I mean, you have the English club, the comedy nest, and then you have the bordel, which is French down in, um, on Ontario street. And then you have some other shows that run, you know, regularly once, once a week or twice a week or, and once a month, so forth. So, but as a, in terms of official venues in English, just one, just the comedy nest. Well, besides besides what's going on with COVID and everything, what has happened to the comedy scene in Montreal? Or the Anglophone, should I even ask? Oh, <laughs> you can, by? sure. Yeah, I'd love to yeah. know because uh, I've seen a, like a, a decline and it's what's going on with the, especially the Anglophone. Uh, I know that there's private shows, like you said, like for example, Leonardo da Vinci in the East End, San Leonard, uh, some other like just clubs, but clubs that are just made for for comedy why is what, what is going on well the other one burnt down okay so <laughs> yeah um and that, that was pre, you know that was pre-covid and they never figured out uh you know the owners of the building never figured out do we rebuild do we not so there used to be two and they you know both used to be incredibly busy on uh, every weekend so you know is there room for for more than one absolutely um but in terms of you know, Montreal content. I think there's still a lot of great content out there. I think um, a lot of the comedians out there today are, are, you know, there's some great young up and comers. And obviously, you know, with the newbies, when people go to the newbie shows and stuff, you have to be patient. You know, you can't just be, I mean, I sucked so bad the first few years, but people believed in me. So hopefully, you know, we, we there's a couple of, gems out there that people can go and find well that's see that's it, it's disheartening because just like everything else i guess and we're, we're probably going to go there today when we discuss some other topics um i guess i shouldn't be surprised just because like everything else that's that's attached if i could say to the anglophone community has seen a, a slow decline in the past 10 20 years yeah, listen, I mean, so many of the English comics have moved to other parts of Canada for various reasons, you know, whether it was career moves or family slash career, business slash career, whatever. Um, it would be nice if both the federal government and the provincial government uh, made comedy and accepted an official art form. And this is one of the problems that we run into, especially now as comedians. We can't apply for a grant right now. Like if we wanted to, and even before pandemic time, we couldn't be like, I have a great idea. I want to develop it. Um, you know, hey, can I apply for a grant because I'm a comedian? No, because comedy, stand-up comedy, believe it or not, in Canada, and you think of all the great comedians that have come before us. Exactly. You know, from this country, and we that's why they leave. It's not because they want fortune and fame. It's they just want a little help. And we haven't gotten any of that. So that's part of it, you know. Um, you know, even now you look, I mean, even with the Serb and all that helping out a little, I mean, the provincial government just shut us down again. And there's so many artists in this city, you know, that came to Montreal because it was such a vibrant art city. Um, and boy, they've turned their back on all the people that made this city, you know, what it is. 
Well, I find that so amazing and so ironic because here you have, on one case, you have Montreal being so famous for Just for Laughs, number one. Number two, the Quebec government always constantly saying in the Montreal government and municipal governments and, and uh, saying their importance and their allegiance to the arts. And yet, <laughs> and yet they turned their back on one of the most storied Just for Laughs. How long has the Just for Laughs festival been going on in Montreal, for example? Oh, man, I, I, it's coming up on 40. It's coming up on 40 years. Yeah. How how could you not recognize, first of all, the comedy, comedy as an art, number one. And number two, how could you not have, when you have one of the biggest uh, festivals in your own backyard, but yet you're not going to do nothing to help the artists that are part of this genre? Preaching to the choir, man. You know, and listen, I know that there are organizations that are campaigning to do that on behalf of comedians. Um, you know, what was really insulting in all this was when uh, they, the Quebec government decided to uh, throw a whack, of, and I mean a whack of cash at Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> you know, and here's my argument. There are, yeah, there are head offices in Montreal, whoop-de-doo, but the majority of their shows are all in Vegas and elsewhere around the world. Yeah. You know, you didn't hear about Vegas kicking in money or all those, you know, uh, hotels that are owned by everybody took a hit but if they had given some of that half of that money put into a pot for musicians the writers uh the poets the painters the comedians you know the ones that the government officials listen to uh musically as they write up some i don't know if we can swear or not but Absolutely. some bullshit you know bullshit legislation they're like, oh, I love this musician. Well, that musician's now going to end up painting your apartment for you. Yeah, that's exactly it. And it, it's just, uh, it's it's so disheartening. You know, a, a, a city so rich, you know, the same city that produced Leonard Cohen, uh, that's produced so many musicians, so many comedians, great comedians, and that basically the government is just turning their back on them. And I think it was... You you brought you made me think of something. I had Derek Seguin on the show, as I told you when we, we spoke off air. And he mentioned, isn't was he the one that mentioned to me that there is they're trying to start some sort of association for Yeah, there is. It's called the uh CASC, C A S Q. Okay. And Canadian uh, Association of Stand Up Comics. And they're based out of Toronto. And again, I mean, they were making some headway prior to pandemic and then you know, the government obviously had priorities with lack of preparation for the uh, for COVID-19. So I understand that everything is on hold. But had this been figured out beforehand <laughs> or acknowledged beforehand, we wouldn't be in this situation. You wouldn't have, you know, comedians emailing and even myself. I mean, you know, I was joking around with somebody, but not joking around. You know what? I'll go in and work at a warehouse three days a week. You know, yeah. And and, and it's for many reasons. One, it gets me out of the house. It gets me to do something because the gyms are closed. It's getting colder out, so all my walks, you know, that I enjoy taking are a little faster and a little brisker. Um, and it's also, you know, with the darkness getting out, you don't want to walk at four o'clock anymore. Yeah. 
you know, you feel like it's bedtime. You feel like it's time for, you know, big turnip in bedtime. I mean, that's what it is. I, I think I think that that there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that with trying to help with your mental and physical health because I have friends. Uh, uh, there's no secret I have. I've said it before in this podcast. I have a lot of friends in the restaurant and reception hall business, and they're seriously contemplating and talking about getting some sort of other job. He says, one of my best friends is he says I'll go take out snow this winter. I swear to God, yeah. I will just just to keep just to keep sane, just to keep physical, just to see people, just to do something. You know, to feel well, value as a human. Well, that's it. I mean, I don't usually do many of these, you know, but yeah. now it's, oh, I'm like, like, oh my God, I'm going to talk to a different person. Yeah, let's do this. You know, it's crap that we can't, uh, you know, do this, you know, let's say live together in your basement yeah. or wherever you broadcast from. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to do that, yeah. but I understand that this is the next best thing, you know, and, uh, you know, and that's how basically the shows are going now. You know, I do. I'm lucky enough to have some bookings coming in, you know, for office parties, you know, that are starting to roll in where, okay, everybody at the office is going to be on this platform at the same time. And, you know, I'll be sitting wherever um, and, you know, I'll see them up on the screen and they'll see me and I'll interact as best I can, do some material for, you know, 20, 25 minutes and, and take off. That's so crazy. It's just because it got me thinking that, that you just said that one of my favorite comics is Sebastian Maniscalco, and he's been doing that with big companies that obviously have serious money. But just you as a comic, don't you like not having that immediate feedback, joy of that immediate laughter and the expressions in people's faces? I mean, how difficult could that be for you? I, you've done them. How, how do you find how do you How do you adapt to that? You never do. Uh, I'm a little bit trained in the sense of all those years of doing radio, right? I would not have feedback right away. You know, you would have to wait a minute or two until somebody sent you a text message or an email or something like that. Um, And then also with the global segment that I do now, you know, uh, I write it but I think it's funny. I don't know what other people or how they're going to react until, you know, again, it airs. That's a good point. That's so good there's point. a lot of, but again, in terms of delivering a joke and not hearing the reaction that you're used to hearing. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird. That it, it really is weird. And, you know, just this, just to, to retract a little bit from before what you mentioned in terms of, um, uh, Cirque du Soleil, that's just a vanity thing, Joey. That's just the fact that the government could not accept that, le, let's say, le, l'enfant du Québec was owned by, by an international company and they'll do whatever they need to do to get it back into the hands, purchase it, and then sell it at a discount to Guy Le Liberté. So he'll make double his money what he sold for it. So And it's, it's all about Well, business. that makes him a genius, right? I mean, that does, and kudos to him. But... I mean, I don't know if you want to get into the government conversation, but I mean, I'm not surprised and I am surprised. On a federal level, I'm very surprised that they haven't uh, accepted comedy as a, uh, you know, as an official art form. Because you think of all, never mind the big festivals, but some of the smaller festivals, the fringe festivals, some of the the comics that could have put on, you know, a, a one-person show or, or produced their own you know, uh, special 
that they could have put up on, you know, their website and then made a little bit of money as opposed mm -hmm. to, you know, having somebody else produce it. They just make, you know, the, uh, the minimum amount in terms of, you know, television rights and writing rights and so forth. So, um, but on a, on a provincial level, my surprise, <laughs> not at all. I mean, look at the mid in the middle of this sugar, Sammy made a joke. And the government official took offense to it and mentioned it in a press conference. I mean, shut up. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't know by now who Sugar Sammy is and what he does, and you're and you're a politician, aren't you supposed to have thick skin? First of all, it was a great joke. Oh, it was fantastic. Um, yeah. Like, if anything, I would have just been I, – I, if I'm a politician, I got bigger things to worry about than a comedian. But to, having said that – you know, comedians since the start of time, we were the ones who were allowed to make fun of the king and queen without penalty. We were the jesters. We were allowed to make fun and point out the absurdities of the, you know, the, the kingdom without being beheaded. And now you say that and yeah, they do want to behead you. They want to shut you up. That's the worst part about all this too, is how many people just want comedians to be like, don't have an opinion. Just tell me, you know, you opened up a can of whatever and it sounded like a fart. Ha ha ha. You know, like <laughs> and whereas, you know, it's it's lost in the, the true art form of our best comedians of all time were storytellers and had did make their political comments on life and, and how government treats us, right? Dave Chappelle oh. being being one of the greatest, uh one of my other favorite um oh, there's George Carlin. There's, George Carlin, thank you. Yes. Yeah, Carlin's uh, the king, you know. He's and the then, king. And Chappelle is today's generation's Carlin. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I just watched that for a third time, the new episode with him and Letterman. It's incredible. I think it should be mandatory watching for, um, you know, for anybody in the comedy industry. You must, must watch that. Absolutely. I, I did. And it's just, it's just incredible what he, just, just pure uh, uh, common sense and honesty from the gut and i just love it and i find that well bill burr is like that oh bill burr is just he's you uh, know another a bostonian right of course <laughs> yeah i mean uh, there's a great um there's a great special called when stand-up stood out and it's all about the boston scene in the, the late 80s and early 90s okay and if you want to see just some of the huge names of comedy that started in boston at that time and it's wonderfully put together. I don't know if that was proper English or not, but whatever. But um, sure, it. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it's just amazing. It really is. And I and I have to say, you know, you're talking earlier about the Montreal comedy scene. Um, about a year ago, around this time, the Comedy Nest was celebrating 40 years, mm -hmm. and it was just so much fun to be part of that. You know, and some of the the guys and gals that when I say Guys, I mean everybody. I'm one of those of people. Um, Politically correct, Joey. Come on. I know, I know, I know. Uh, I am wearing pants, though. I'm here, my hands, people. I'm not pulling a tube in on anybody tonight. I, you know what I, I mean? I have joggers on, but I'm oh, wearing man. pants. <laughs> I wear a cod piece now wherever I go. I don't know where cameras are on it. You know. Um, but to go from that kind of high a year ago. You know, to, to see everybody that I started with and influenced me, 
uh, here in Montreal, and then to be in this position a year later. I can only imagine, you know, bands that released an album or were supposed to go on tour for the first time or, you know, somebody who was supposed to release their first novel or something. Um, These are the people that, you know, when when the government just says, okay, red zone, lockdown, everybody's working from home anyway. Well, we can't work from home. And people will be like, well, you, you know, writers can work from home. Yeah, but some of these writers, because I said funding isn't great, mm-hmm. were working double jobbed either as a, and a lot of them in the industry that is closed, which is the restaurant bar industry. Yeah. That's right. A, the two go hand in hand, right? And, uh, and Exactly. Uh, I and started also- off as a doorman for the comedy club. Yeah. So I still would have been, even if I wasn't in comedy and I was just a doorman, you know? Yeah. And and I also and I've been a proponent for this since this all this whole mess started. Is I'm a true believer that comedy, uh, or or the arts in general, which comedy of course should be included in there, should be an essential service. <laughs> now more than ever, we need to laugh, Joey. I believe we, so too. We, we and, need to be entertained. We <laughs> and and we me. just need if we can, and it's so easily doable. You know, just whatever capacity two hundred, make it a hundred. I don't know, just do something. Can't I just have to shut say, it down. I have to say that um, when it before the 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 re shutdown of of the comedy world, you know, in the bars and the restaurants, and we were out in you know in the open we were uncaged animals and Hmm. people were still very wary of going indoors um you know it was summertime people wanted to be out after being cooped up i get it but the comedy nest that has over 150 seats maxed it at 50 and other precautions were taken for both performers and staff and you know patrons Perfect. And I have to say that the people that came out, it was so much fun. Um, and it could have been a night where there were 50 people. It could have been, you know, uh, a crappy night weather wise, or I th- there was something big on TV one night. I don't remember. And, uh, you know, only like 15 people showed up, but everybody that came in, man, it was like they had just discovered laughter for the first time and they didn't want to let go of it. Yeah, you know, and I—that's why. Yes, I—I I think, um, you know, I think that, uh, yeah, you definitely need to laugh, and even music. You know, I mean, I love—I can't play an instrument worth crap, <laughs> but um, music is fantastic, and it doesn't matter what genre you need. You know, I mean, I'm not a jazz fan, but I know that there's a great jazz bar right down the street. From you know, uh, from where the comedy club is, you know, upstairs. Yeah. Um, and again, jazz festival season or not, you have that there. You want, you know, a blues. There's a thousand places to go and have blues. I miss going to see, you know, just walking into a pub, and there being one individual with a, 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 an acoustic guitar. Yeah. You know, just singing the classics like you were all sitting around a campfire. Yeah, or just um, going to Hurley's and grabbing a beer and oh hearing God. hearing some traditional Irish music. I absolutely loved it. Just yeah. loved it. Right? Just oh, the absolutely. Simple, it's it's you know, the this... option to be out. Yeah. And that's what I really took offense with when, you know, they 
opened up the businesses and you had so many people in the media going, no, no, stay in, doesn't matter, stay in. Well, that's everybody had to make a choice. The only choice I said was, uh, and I've been very vocal about this, was if you wanted to go to a restaurant, go to a restaurant. If you wanted to go to a comedy club, go to a comedy club. All we're asking people to do is wear a mask, wash your hands, yep. and don't be a pig about it. Like, you know, <laughs> when you go to the washroom, wash your hands. Yeah. You know, I think that was one of the things that was so surprising about this pandemic is you find out how many people are gross. Gross and just, you, you know, know I, I remember going to a restaurant uh, with a buddy and we're waiting outside in line. And a guy refused to come in. He goes, if the bouncer's telling you, if you don't put your mask on, you're not coming in. And the guy stood there for 15 minutes arguing with him. He says, you don't understand. You're not coming in unless you put the mask on just to sit down at the table. And then you sit down at the table and you take off your mask. Yeah. How difficult is that to understand? Um, I was on a train where they literally had to stop in Cornwall. We were going to Kingston. The train was. Um And we get to Cornwall and the guy didn't want to wear a mask on the train, which was ridiculous because what's the big deal, you know? Um, anyway, yeah, they had to call the cops and get him off. And we were delayed like 45 minutes because of one schmuck, you know? Incredible. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a, listen, there's a lot of people out there that don't believe this second wave is even a thing. I know. I know. And, and that's terrifying to me is, 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 The people that don't believe are people that you think should believe and should know better, you know? And they're like, yeah, I wear a mask just because, you know, the police harassed me, you know? <laughs> You're like, shut And up. Joey, like I've said it, I've said it so many times. Everybody has their, everybody is, everyone knows everything now and everyone has a problem with everything. So, so yeah, just, just, just because we're getting a few comments here. Yes, guys, uh, me and Joey are Bruins fans. And on that note, so, so is a good friend of mine. <laughs> uh, Joe Bentevenia says, I see the Bruins in the background. Yes. So Joey, please, you have to, I put myself a note. You have to tell me, I don't know if you remember this moment when you were on CJ, uh, no, excuse me. Um, not CJD, but on, um, the what was team? the real? Yes. The team. Okay. So you called. <laughs> This uh, is when Patrick Traverse was playing for. Oh yeah, Canada. Traverse okay. City, Michigan. So you called. So could you could you, could you just tell me because that was one of my favorite moments. I'm sure my buddies watching the show would love to hear this one because I don't think they remember this one. So yeah, this was great. I don't remember how it all started, but I would do uh, crank calls. Yes. And at the time, Patrick Brisebois. Uh, Patrice Brisebois and Patrick uh, Traverse yes. were paired up as uh, defensemen together in Montreal, and they had the worst combined plus minus, <laughs> like not even close yes. to like everybody else was like combined minus four. They were like a minus 80. And I found a sports store in Traverse City, Michigan, and I called. And again, they didn't know. I found that after. I don't know what the statute of limitations is. I hope it's over. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, no. Was that the sports store or a hotel? No, the hotel <laughs> one was um because <laughs> you don't go to the corner. <laughs> Do you have oh, that was the Breezeball Motel? And I'll tell yes. you that was in uh I was somewhere in Wisconsin. Yes. Oh, Claire Delac, Odelac, Something either like Claire Delac or Odelac. Yeah. 
But I also called when um, Jose Theodore got in trouble for, well, not him, but his family for laundering money. Yes. I called, uh, there was a Theodore uh, (laughs) B&B in California. And I called them and I was like, oh, do you provide this? And oh, can you launder stuff for me? Oh, yeah, we have that service. So we would call the Traverse City uh, Sports Store and ask for, like, do you have a pair? And I was very serious. I was like, hi, do you have a pair of skates that uh, make me unable to skate backwards and just become (laughs) some of the, like, the worst skater on the planet? And the woman was so kind. And then I would be like, oh, what's the weather where you are? She's like, oh, it's minus four. I'm like, of course it's in the minuses. It's Traverse. And she had no idea, you know. and we never told them. Oh, God. We never told them. Because I think I called her back a few times. Yes, you did. You did. Ca- no. You called her at least a couple of times, at least. That, that's what made fun. it even funnier because she was so sweet. I remember. Yeah. Oh, man. It was so good. It was I so feel good. Bad now, in hindsight, thinking about it, because she was so kind, I should have probably told her at one point that, like, by the way, we're going to send you some, you know, the team 990 yeah. year. And at the time yeah. we didn't have much, but I would have found something and, <laughs> and sent it to her. Cause she was a really good sport. There was only one, I think that caught on very quickly. Yeah. And they were like, are you putting me on? And I was like, all right, you got us. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Listen, be- so. before, before we get into our topics, I wanted to really uh, ask you, um, the experience, and first of all, saying saying a huge thank you on behalf of a lot of people that support our military. I'd love to to hear about those shows that you did in um, in Afghanistan, Rwanda. Uh, what was the experience like? Um, what kind of feedback? Just, I'm think I, I could just imagine what that experience was like. Can you tell us a little bit about that? It's crazy. It's um, look. The first one I did, I was 24 years old. And it was Rwanda. I knew wow. nothing really about where I was going. Um, it happened very quick. That whole, I, I was basically brought on to MC um, a Christmas show of, there were three singers, four musicians. They needed an MC who could do like literally 10, 12 minutes of material. And, uh, it was amazing. And each one becomes its own experience. Haiti was his own experience. Uh, even Afghanistan from the first time to the second time was very different because the first time it was only in Kabul. We were at two different bases and only three soldiers had died at that point. And it was all, it was a, a friendly fire incident. If you remember that from the beginning of the war. Yes. And then by the time I came back four years later, um there was over 80 soldiers that had been killed in combat and you realize that you know now we're in not in kabul anymore we're in kandahar it's where all the news comes from and Mm -hmm. you hear this that one was different in in the sense that um there were so many casualties compared to the other ones that they wanted to tell you their stories about their friends and you want to hear them because yeah. these are names of people and uh, that should never be forgotten. You know, they're, they're mothers and fathers and sons, daughters and friends. You know, I can, yeah, I can. but the shows themselves are, uh, they're hilarious. They're so much fun. I can't even imagine. It's, um, 
I always say that I had the best shows to the, uh, the best seats to those shows. You know, I felt like Ringo, you know, me mediocre talent, but great seats to a show. <laughs> um, yeah, they were fantastic. Just to see smiles of the faces on the soldiers. I know that um, when we went to Afghanistan, the first time, so 2004, uh, we brought like with us like surprise mail. Okay. You know, like packages from home and just yeah. to see the reaction of the of the people opening these gifts and you know, like it's like handwritten letters or or you know, just scribbles from their two year old that mean nothing to you or I, but bring this monstrous hulk of a man to tears in ten seconds, you know. I, uh, I I'm I'm like every bit of kudos and i can go on and on about not only have the government you know neglected uh comedians and artists but boy you know they turn their back on their veterans pretty good i know uh, it's funny it's it's two weeks in a row i discussed this because i had ted bird as i told you last week and we discussed he's yeah. heavily involved in operation husky um, Ted is an excellent supporter of uh the military as a whole not just the um you know, the Legion, you know, you mentioned the LaSalle Legion in your intro. He had yeah. that night and he helped us really promote that big time. And, and you know, uh, we were supposed to do another one in Lachine uh, to help them during uh, COVID. We were we had a whole show planned out mm -hmm. uh, with the help of uh, David Trentadue and uh, Trentadue Entertainment. And then, of course, even with the new measures, you know, uh, it just wasn't cost worthy for anybody. You know, we wanted to help raise the money for the Legion because, and here's, you know, I don't know if we have time or not, but absolutely. Where, where are we going to go? We're not supposed to go anywhere. I, I we have nowhere to go. No. <laughs> so we go. And, and then, and this is what I also don't understand. So the federal, the provincial government's like, don't go out, don't go out. You know, you're going to fucking die if you go out. And then you got the municipal government here, the, the guy, you know, the, the mayor S going, nope, you got to come downtown now, free parking. <laughs> free parking. And you're like, so who do I listen to? Who do I listen to? Yeah. That's the other thing. It's just, could you get your messaging across in the same way? And maybe that way, if you're both on the same page messaging wise, there won't be a slew of idiots that think that, the second wave is a hoax. But Joey, you can't because we can't. It's it's literally impossible. Quebec, Montreal as a whole has never, ever been in sync. Never. You can't even get... Look, I, I got... You know how many projects are delayed because Hydro-Quebec never spoke to Gas Metropolitain oh. and, they, and they never spoke to the construction company that's actually doing a street that happens to have pipes underneath it. Do you live in NDG? Like no, on St. Luke Road in NDG? Because they did that, I think it was two summers in a row. They dug up the exact same place, you know, uh, and one year was because they did the pipes, but the year after was um, uh, Gas Metropolitan or one of them. Yes, I remember that. Now, again... I, you know, people have bugged me about maybe running for politics and stuff like that. And, and I, I keep telling them is that I can't because I think, I don't think like a politician. And maybe that's a good thing. Like, I think like a common sense. You know what I mean? 
Like yeah. this just makes sense. So let's do it this way. But, but that'll never get shit done. But but that apparently will never get shit done. And if this is a wonderful segue into did you see today? It's actually today that uh our maid s our wonderful maid s that's completely oh. above her head i mean just just i don't know where she's this 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 mayor thing is just really not for her but she says montrealers need a break the city puts one third of infrastructure projects on hold this will delay uh the delay will remove 41 percent of the obstacles oh, yeah. the projects would have caused to traffic says valerie plant so here's my take on this okay <laughs> now that you have less cars on the road, okay, and we know that this work apparently needs to be done, why can't you just continue doing it and maybe scale back a little bit or maybe do it a little bit better now that you have less cars on the road? Wouldn't that be the common sense approach to do it instead of, well, no, because now we have, right? She has to win. She has to win. <laughs> You're laughing. She has to win. Because, you know, again, it's, common sense and and just like you said you know do it by section like i you know filming the global thing the one thing that i, I have the opportunity of, of doing is going across the city okay and i tell you we complain about saint catherine and and saint denis i can't even tell you if i was a store owner or anything owner on saint hubert street <sighs> especially the old plaza i would i don't even know where i would start the class action suit you know and i'm not a lawyer i've had a few in my life <laughs> you know? um, i had one guy just walk down the street recognize me a few weeks ago and give me his card like i don't know if that's the impression i give people that i say a lot of crazy stuff and it gets me in trouble but it's good to know that there are people out there who will defend what I say? Oh, I, I absolutely will defend what what any comedian says because it, that's literally the last frontier. I mean, this is all what the, the big comics are talking about right now. And this PC culture is you as a comedian that that's making comment commentary on everyday life and the ones that are keeping us sane and the ones that tell us the truth. That's why I have a lot of comedians on my show is because you see things differently. We see things differently. You don't see it as a politician. You don't see it as a regular person. You see it through the lens of maybe some comedy, but also some common sense. Like, as I mentioned before, some of the, com the, the, the comics that I've loved, right? So yeah, the other, the other common theme through those gentlemen you mentioned <laughs> is marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Hey, if marijuana makes you a genius like George Carlin, Hey, I'll, I'll listen. Chappelle's open about it. Yeah, I know. I mean, everyone's look. Joe Rogan, he's one of my idols. I mean, I love, I love him. And he he smokes up on air for crying out. Right. What Elon Musk for crying out? <laughs> Remember that one? Yeah, uh, so but Elon funny. Musk and he's going to put us on the moon again. I mean, we're on the moon yeah. right now. Yeah, technically. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we can talk about how bad this city is managed or mismanaged if you, you want to hear you want to hear another great one seeing that we're still on that subject sure once i just came across this um <laughs> montreal is studying the possibility it's in french so i'm just doing a quick translation montreal is studying the possibility of taxing deliveries Montreal is evaluating the possibility of taxing uh, deliveries uh through suggestions to the suggestion of a report 
for the future of commerce, um, commercial commerce, commandé par l'administration Plante. Of course, I could have guessed that before. Listen, I hope she's watching this, or somebody <laughs> from the Plante administration is watching this. Let me get into the frame here. Listen to me. Listen to me. Cars are not going away anytime soon, right? They're not. No, no. we're going to go from what you don't like to hybrid models to electric models. So there's still going to be a fucking car. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And people that have your, and the thing that frustrates me the most is with all this anti-car crap is nobody is taking into account people with limited disabilities. Nobody thinks about, you know, the, you know, we, we bring up the veterans. I know a couple of veterans that every week before the pandemic, they would go to this one little greasy spoon, you know, and they would have their breakfast. Mm -hmm. It was a nice way for, you know, two old guys to keep in touch and keep social. Yeah. But if they didn't drive, okay, and they are able to drive, you know, legit. Yes. But if they weren't able to, how would you like these two men to go down? It's it's the same way, Joey, as those same men, if they want to go to, I give this example in my opinion, I'll just, I'll share it with you, is I came across, I met through a, a, a mutual friend, uh, a third generation owner of a small sh uh, shoe shoe shop. Okay. <laughs> was a tongue twister on Kisof Colomb Belanger area where they, they did a complete rerouting directions. Basically, he says between COVID and, and losing 50% of the traffic, right? Because now it's no longer going two ways and eliminating 800 parking spots. He says, Luigi, I've been open for generations. These people dealt with my grandfather, then my father, and then me. I yeah. have an elderly clientele. Do you think they walk or take the bus or take a bike? Do you even think place? they know how to get into a metro? No. And I'm not trying to be funny or facetious. No. But these are people that, like you said, they've been driving their whole lives. Yeah. You know, and with limited mobility, that's why, you know I've been to other cities even during the pandemic in, in mm -hmm. Ontario to do when it was open and we can do stand up. I was there. The one thing, you know, some of the streets were closed off in Ottawa and Kingston, but you know what they never took away? The handicap parking. They yeah. always left them. Montreal, nope, on your own because everybody with a car is evil. If you don't ride a bike, how dare you? You yeah. know? If you don't want to ride the metro, well, then stay chez vous. Again, how do you want – they finally switched their tune now with the free parking. Because <laughs> it's too because, late, really. Because every, you know, business owner who hasn't gotten the financial help that they need – I mean, what was, what was the number? 26% of small businesses in Montreal have closed already for yes. good. So this help is, you know, too late for 20%, 26% of business owners already. Because it, it just doesn't affect the actual businesses. It's everything. It's the restaurant and that little cafe mom and pop and shop that these employees that are no longer going to these offices go to eat. Or the yeah. gyms that are open downtown where everybody goes. And the banks and what what all the banks are open. But it, just, just, just everything that's all-encompassing around these, it's not just the businesses. So could you imagine what these numbers are going to look like in a couple of more months of this? Through a winter oh, it, month? 
I can't even imagine. I mean, there's I, listen, I understand that there's no playbook for this no. virus, how to combat it, but um, putting more trust in mankind is just the wrong idea. Because, you know, if, if mankind just listened and did wear the masks and did stay apart and did stay in their bubble, we wouldn't be in this mess. Again, we wouldn't have art, you know, yeah, we would be performing to, you know, a maximum of 50 people, but we'd be working. We'd be working. Maybe yeah. not for the same amount of money that we did pre-pandemic, but at least, you know, we're being creative. I think the worst thing, you know, you, everybody talks about mental health. I think if you took a survey um, of mental health of parents, and then people who are still on leave because of lockdown, I think you would find that the, the majority of the cases being reported are from those two groups. Absolutely. And one way to get us, you know, off the, the anxiety and depression slide is let us work. Listen, and I, not I, as contractors, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. And, I, I've once again, I'll say it again. The basic human instinct for a person is just to want to be able to have the opportunity to provide for their family. You take that away from them, you are literally taking away everything from them their dignity, their self respect. So, well, look, I mean, just in this time, I mean, they're saying that the, the homeless numbers have doubled. Yes, they have. I think it's more than double. I'm There's pretty sure thousand homeless people in this city right now have you seen notre dame uh the street you mean have you heard about that yeah right in front of the, the yeah yeah um i've also seen under the um jacques bridge okay there's one by the peel basin that's starting to uh happen in the woods there a little tent city uh yeah. there's one in old montreal um across from okay that's going up um so yeah is it good news that that hotel on uh saint hubert is gonna take in yeah but you're still gonna that's only 380 bets it's a great start yeah you know and that's a great initiative but you listen to the people from the old mission brewery you know and and uh don la rue uh sun youth you listen to the experts on this one it's it's a start but nowhere near what needs to be done and it's also just a band-aid right Joy, yeah, I mean, I mean it's a, it's a bandaid and it's the classic uh, misappropriation of funds, right? Instead of rearranging bike paths, instead of giving five million dollars to OQLF, I could think about maybe about a million better things to do that we could do with our money, right? Yeah, like, who are we? Is, uh, I don't know how you say this properly, but I'll say it in French so I don't offend them. But they're full of shit. It, it's. You know, it's something that bothered me it's just because <laughs> this is, I don't understand why it even exists. I, I, I truly believe that we are the only country, well, province or whatever place in the world that has a government watchdog over signage and language used in the workplace. I'm convinced. No one's going to tell me otherwise. And I'm, I'm going to do actually. Mistaken, though, yes. It was the liberal party that created it. Yes, it was. Right. Yes, it to was. appease um, some of the. Uh, PQ voters that they thought, well, maybe we can lure them over to our side if we protect their language. It was those. Well, that was uh, a backfire. 
Yeah, those there was a guy. I think believe it was the Robert Barassa gang of Judases um, that and 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 for, and unfortunately, ever since then, no one's ever had the uh, balls to reopen this. And I ask myself the question: Is how the fuck is this even legal, Joey? How somebody needs to sit down and explain this to me? How this could be legal that you could go into a place of of business such as they did for example my good buddy carmen anoya at kitchen 73 or patisserie italy that's been there for a hundred years and 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 tell them you see, the, you see also the thread though and delhi what was it 365 yeah no i didn't uh they're all minority owned yeah that's all i'm going to say One's vividly Italian, or two are vividly Italian. The other one is Orthodox Jew run. Yeah. We're just coming up on that anniversary of the big referendum. Yes. That, of course, we know that it, that was the one that ethnics and money lost the election for that side. On a perdu à cause de l'argent et la vote ethnique. Right? So. Was that a, did I do a good one? Was that a good that was pretty good, actually, But you were sober. <laughs> Um, go load up with gin. Come back in an hour and tell me how it goes. I wish, I wish I could drink, but I can't drink right no. now. No, um, no, not right now. Yeah, but yeah, it's just there's so many better, like you said, the the things that they go and they try to prioritize. It's actually funny, you know. This Sunday, uh, here's a free little plug. My my global segment okay. is all about the timing of the OQLF doing what they do, are doing. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, you I, know, I can't wait to see that one, yeah? Yeah, because it's, listen, and I say in it, I'm never going to agree with what you do. Never. But it's all about the timing, and it's all about optics, and it's shit, you know? But, but besides the optics and the timing, Joey, is... is no, why disturb me? I just saw, I'm not going to say any names, obviously, and just in my threads and say, well, that's the law and that's what it's there for. And I said, but whoever said that there's, what do you mean it's the law? Is Was there ever a stupid law? If, 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 Hitler, if Hitler made a law, okay, to basically, which he basically did, right, to kill all the Jews because they were the, the, the evil enemy and the cause of our problems, Jews, right? Gypsies. Should um, we sh so? So then, that's fine, right? It's because every law we have to follow the law. This law is clearly is clearly uh, racist in itself, in and of itself. And it, it look, is, I have no problem, and I think we all can agree on this. We we know if you live in Quebec, it's going to be a French first province. Yes, and we have to accept that no matter what. That's kind of the unwritten rule, right? Of yes living in Quebec. Yes. I have an issue when they try to, on twofold, when they want to make it seem like it's a French-only province, and and that's it. You know, really, it's, it's, it's just the way they go about it, really. It's the... Look, again, I understand you want to preserve culture, but this, by by trying to, you know, uh, pushing down on others is not the way to do it. No, but the, the problem is, Joey, is that they've succeeded. Because let's look at the numbers, okay? We Either through 
just sheer tiredness of the bullshit. How many have left? Yeah. The sheer, the sheer accepting the fact that let's let's send our kids to French school. So you're losing the right for that children to send their children in French. And basically, let's admit it. Bill 101 has been successful because one or two more generations and our English schools are gone. And we only have ourselves to blame, number one. Because that we've, I agree with. We, we've I stood there and we've done nothing. We've done yeah. nothing. But, but you know, remain complacent. I and, always felt the Anglo community kind of trapped in a way. Um, you know, that if you were vocal... You're a troublemaker, and it's almost like we don't want to. Why are you drawing attention to us? I'll be very honest. You know, usually uh, when I film the global segment, um, my camera guy and I, a shout out to my guy, uh, David uh, Sedell. I, I should mention, I don't think I mentioned that it's uh, global Sunday nights during their six o'clock news. Yes, actually, I'm, I'm just looking. There's so many comments, by the way, and I just oh, we, okay. we've been so enthralled in our discussion. But somebody asked, where do we see it? And Karen Haynes says global news on Sunday nights. Um, <laughs> my, my good buddy, again, it's the FBI forever bothering Italians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Going back to. Uh, Pastigate. Yeah. Pastigate. Look at, and that's the other thing is that they, don't they understand that. Castigate somehow made it onto CNN and into the New York Times. Joey, my cousin, is, my cousin from Italy called me. Right. You know what he, the first thing he said to me in Italian? He says, For real? Yes. Is that what he, like, I don't know how to say it because I'm he, not he, Italian. He called me, he called me from, he goes, he said exact words in pure Sicilian. He said, Ma che cazzo arriva in, in, in Montreal? Says, that sounds delicious though. He said, what the fuck is <laughs> happening in Montreal? Are you serious? Like he said, are you fucking serious? And I looked at him. I said, yes, cousin. Th this is, this is when I tell you what we live in, because they, they, because they think we have it good and which we do joy. That's we do. We do have it. This is, has nothing to do with, and I'll say, you know how fast we change because at the beginning of this pandemic, I thought, Hey man, I'm glad this guy's on top of it. Lego is my man. You know, he shut us down early because he knew about all the, uh, you know, the snowbirds coming back from Florida and all that. And he was ahead of it. Uh, the mayor at Valerie Pont, you know, she was the first maybe in North America to really come out and say that masks are going to be the way of the future. So get used to wearing them. But the other, they tr but on all of those great levels, they both have tried to slip in little bullcrap measures you know the bike paths and cutting saint catherine in half using COVID as the excuse that we need more room right yeah. five million dollars um, to oqlf while five this is million, you know, seriously when you have a problem finding and i know they just you know went on that splurge of ten thousand um orderlies well guess what three thousand of them dropped out you're still three thousand short you know, maybe, again, Mr. Legault, I'm not, uh, you know, a specialist, but if you didn't wait till the middle of a pandemic to dub the orderlies as essential services and you would have negotiated with them beforehand, you wouldn't have had this mess. And if you would have paid them semi what they're worth, they wouldn't be in this mess. Um, and also old age homes. I mean, something has to be done about those places and and whether it's government run or privately run it doesn't matter they're you know covid's getting in there i mean um, yeah. so and 
so yeah, there are answers to some of these things now. At least we're not American. You know? <laughs> At least they still care here. It, it, it they do, but the problem is, see, I'm in the mortgage industry, okay? And oh, man. Pre, yeah, so pre-COVID, I I would always um I mean, I look at pay stubs and I see letters of employments and I would see all these these hospital orderlies and um, the the uh, retirement homes uh, uh, employees that Joey literally they're being they were being paid poverty level wages. Yeah. So here you have what and I that's think, why you have eight or nine of them living in in a two bedroom apartment. Absolutely. So here is what I think one of the most important role people that take care of our elderly, the people that bled for our province, for our country, that paid their taxes, and the people that are taking care of them are being paid poverty wages. So let me ask you this question. How, and, and I'm not taking away anything from them because I would be the first to understand. How, how effective do you think this care that they were giving them could be? When you're paying someone poverty wages, Literally, literally, we're, we're talking about Joe. We're talking about twelve, thirteen dollars an hour, Joey. I probably make more money working at a kushtal. Yeah, you probably do, and you probably get treated uh, with more respect at times. Yeah, to be honest yeah. with you, um, I don't know the answer. I mean, they don't know the answer either. I mean, the, the the problem is, is I'm just a comedian. I'll have time to think about it. They're in government, and they're supposed to take care of us. Um, and that's the thing, you know, is, yeah, we got to believe in government, but putting too much trust in them will get you killed, man. Absolutely, because it's the old adage, I, right? I stole that quote from Springsteen. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, I love the boss. Can't You're wait. So good. You have a new album? No, I, I've heard a couple of songs off it, so yeah, I will get it. Yeah. Um, but it's the old adage that the government, of course, Legault freaked out after when he saw all these things. Okay, we're going to rehaul everything. But it's it's always done when something drastic and something so uh, so macabre happens when all these deaths and they were and you hear these stories of employees walking out because they were just overwhelmed. Only this it, does it have to really get to that point? Like I said, it never should have gotten to that. No, I, I know, Joey. You know, yeah, but that, unfortunately. Um, he put himself like I don't feel bad for Lego in this situation. Like I said, he put himself in that situation. Absolutely. Had he taken the time before this to realize, no, these are and you know, unfortunately, some of us who you know, maybe you or myself, uh, like my grandmother is in one of these old age homes, mm -hmm. and I know firsthand what you know her caregiver and and what the staff at this old age home goes through, but the orderlies that come in every day. My God, so friendly, so nice. And maybe he never had the experience of having to deal with an orderly. And maybe that's a fortunate thing. You know, yeah. like maybe he doesn't have to be in a hospital. But when you see it firsthand, you understand how core they are, you know, and they should have been dubbed an essential service long before this. Absolutely. You know, um, why it took, you know, a pandemic for people to realize that uh, people that deliver food, you know, should not be made fun of. It shouldn't be looked down on. Absolutely. They're working. That's that's what it is, man. They're working. You can't put anybody down. Maybe, you know what, like we said earlier in the show, maybe it's one of these musicians, you know, because they're not getting the funding. 
So they make a couple extra bucks doing some uh, deliveries, whether it's, you know, for a delivery company like a courier or one of the food services, who cares? I don't see see any shame in that at all. I, I just see honor in that. Listen, like you said, anybody who takes does anything to, t- to make the world a, a better, easier place for somebody, I think they deserve that, you know, and that's why, like the veterans, you know, we, we've neglected them too. They fought for us. Who's fighting for them? That, 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 here's that, a crazy, here's a cra- the craziest thing I might think of is how about you stop taxing the Legion halls, but you start taxing the churches and stuff like that. Thank you very much. Come at me, whatever. Simple. I don't care. Simple. Simple idea. These 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 people. It just it enrages me, and I, I try to stay calm. And I just to me, it's it brings me back. And I know I don't know how many times I've said this on my show, but when 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 our drama teach drama teacher prime minister had the gall to look at it in a town hall, a, a veteran, when when the veteran asked him, you know, more funds and more programs for 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 soldiers coming back in terms of dealing with PTSD and, and, and um, <coughs> mental, mental health issues. And he says, well, we just don't have the money. Yeah. You're, oh then, no. He said, we're, you're asking too much. Joy. Well, too it, much. I mean, I'll tell you what's too much too men. Too much is one soldier who served that is now homeless. And I know that there are many out there, uh, yeah. you know, uh, that's too much. Too much is any soldier or their family members, you know, whether it's that it's their spouse or their children living in unknowing circumstance because their parent suffers from PTSD and they don't know how to share and they don't know how to open up. Um, it It's a domino effect. And if they don't stop that first domino from falling, there's a lot of people out there. And, and you know, when they started closing all these hospitals, you know, for the veterans, I think of the one, I mean, that was the conservative government, but still when they closed that, I just thought they're, they're forgetting something. They're forgetting the fact that there's still so many members of the military that are active, that have seen um, active duty that of stuff that nobody was ever supposed to see Yeah, that they weren't trained for. I don't care how good a sniper you are or how good a you know uh, a member of the Navy, Air Force, whatever you could be the best of the best of what you do, but nothing preps you from having to not know if the child coming at you, and I do mean a child, we're talking a four or five year old coming at you, is because they're hungry, they're lost, or because their parents have strapped a bomb to them. That's what these soldiers don't know. And they've witnessed. So, you know, telling them to go have cheap beer at the Legion and then enjoy that as long as we don't close you, that's not really taking care of your own. So they say you could tell the um, the, 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 the greatness of a nation by how they treat their most vulnerable. So having said what we just said about how we treat our veterans and our elderly, well, what does that say about us? I think we had our priorities wrong. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think Canada is the greatest country. I really do. But at the same time, you know, we look at what this 
exposed, and that was a, a gaping hole in healthcare, especially in the elders. And you know, you look at some of the, never mind going overseas and looking how some of the other countries and, you know, especially some other religions, you know, honor their elders. We just have to look in our own backyard with the indigenous people of this land. The elders are everything in their community. Yes. Right? Not to get all political and everything. We stole everything else from them. Why couldn't we steal their values? That's a very good point. Oh, that's so good. That's the first time that I really like that one. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, treat your elders, learn from your elders, sit around with them, listen to the stories, the folklore, learn, you know, it's passed down, it's recipes, it's, it's, you know, how did we hunt and all that. It gives you pride in who you are and in your family, Absolutely. you know, I and then what we're doing now is just, you know, Oh, what did you do? Sergeant? Ah, fuck you. Yeah. You know, here's a coupon for uh, a donut and a coffee at the Timmy's. Thanks for your service. We got to do more than that. We really, we really do. Um, because I could see with what you're saying and I relate it to my dad and my dad's 87 and his health is not good, but I just love sitting down and him listening to his stories of the old country back in Sicily and, and, and whatever stories he would tell. And he has such a sharp memory. And I could just literally sit there for hours and listen to these beautiful stories. I Some do that with my grandmother, man. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I mean, I'm, and we're both lucky that, I mean, I have my parents and I still have a grandmother, but we're lucky that we still have the ability to do that. Yeah. You know, for some people it's too late, but, um, do it. I mean, it's fine. And some people do it, you know, online, you know, they're, uh, with the ancestry.ca or whatever yeah. the hell, but that's a good start. But if you can, you know, learn from the source. Yes. And do it. I've always said it. I said, just even if, if it's not in your own family, just talk to a stranger. I don't know. Stop, stop a veteran. Uh, you know, I've had the pleasure of, of doing some mortgages for veterans and I, and I thought, uh, well, veterans, I mean, recent veterans. And I, and I, and I, I said, after we finished the, the mortgage, I could, we, could we talk about your military? And yeah. And the, they just appreciate it. And we stay on the phone for hours just talking about it. And I hear their That's, stories. You should and, become a member of the Legion because all you got to do, you know, like the word, honestly, I joke with them all the time <laughs> is uh, you can't wear your hat inside out of respect. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, for real, man, because I, I love hats. Everybody thinks I'm bald and I'm not, <laughs> you know, I just adore hats, whether yeah. it's toques or ball caps. Mm -hmm. And they always give me a hard time. And, and the big joke is that now every time that I've shown up, uh, one of the members buys me a different hat. <laughs> So now I just have, which is great because I have a collection of hats that support the Legion, you know, yeah. um, and stuff. I even have a Legion mask, a, a free plug for the, the Royal Canadian Legion. Absolutely. Go ahead. Just go to the away. website. Just Google Royal Canadian Legion and go to their store, right? Because we're coming up on November 11th, Remembrance yes. Day. We're not going to see a lot of the people out on the street selling poppies this year, unfortunately, because of the pandemic. Um, and all the Remembrance Day ceremonies are also cut back. Yeah, Go online and you can buy a virtual poppy, which is very, very cool, but the masks are very cool. And I just ordered myself uh, earlier today um, a coffee, you know, one of those to-go coffee take everywhere with you? Yep. 
and they have uh, the Royal Canadian insignia with uh, the poppies on it. That's and all awesome. the money goes to the, the Legion. And, and, you know, it's a, it's a win-win situation. It's you get something that you use and need. They get the money that they so rightfully deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if anybody's watching goes, well, don't you have to be a member of the military? No. Just Google Royal Canadian Legion. Find the closest one near you. When this is over, or even the, uh, the lockdown's over, walk in. It's 50 bucks. And just say, and you can actually go online, but it's better to go in, right? And it's fun. And you go, here's my 50 bucks. They'll mail you a card, but that's where you go. And I still go. And I, and when I'm on the road, people go, well, well what do you do when you're on the road to kill time? I, um, I do go to legions. That's awesome. And I sit and I think about uh, being in Edmonton, you know, and I met uh, one of the last uh, veterans of the Korean War. Wow. And, you know, I was like, hey, can I buy you a beer? And he's like, well, if you're buying, and he wasn't shy. It was great. He goes, if you're buying, I'm having a beer and a scotch. And I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> man, for sure, you know. But then he tells you the stories. And that's what we were talking about. It's, I, and no matter how old they get, no matter how frail their body gets, these are memories, like, they're just ingrained in them. And it, they tell them as if they happened yesterday. They're vivid to them. And that's a part of the PTSD is they never go away. I think they and that's why we have to take very good care of them until the end. I think they literally bring those memories to the literally to the grave with them. Um, some will. I mean, yeah. again, there's some people who want to talk about their experience and there's some that don't. And you find out that, no, this gentleman here, you know, uh, he led a platoon. And unfortunately, a lot of those men got killed in an ambush or... Uh, you know, I, I, I met a, a sniper uh, here in Quebec, and uh, he said, he goes, if I tell you what I saw through that scope, and I just was like, okay, you can end that sentence there. You, probably wouldn't, we, you probably wouldn't sleep for months. I Listen, mean, you know, my first trip uh, in Rwanda, we got there, it was December... 94. So the massacres have happened. The genocide has happened. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't think I've ever told this story, actually. And uh, we went, the entire show tour, we went to an orphanage that was run by the Canadian military. And we were supposed to go give out Christmas candy or whatever. And I got a whiff of something and I just, like in the movies, you know, you instantly yeah. get sick. And I walked out back beyond this building that was fenced in, protected. And I took a look and there were out there. I can't tell you how many bodies there were, but there were bodies that had been murdered and they weren't buried yet. And I just thought, I'm in the wrong place. <laughs> and I, I vomited. Uh, and then the, uh, the, the lovely priest or reverend or whoever looked after the place, explained to me what happened. And again, an awful way to learn history, but you see it up close. And then when I came home and you talk about it and you meet somebody from Rwanda or even, you know, Somalia, because they had come up from there, you know, even the Southern parts of Kenya a little bit, you can relate to them. You know, I think that's also part of this, 
generations thing of is if all of a sudden if, if it's if i can't relate to you it's no good you know yeah. like this generation listen i got add but you give me a, a fascinating historical story you give me one of the fast most fascinating people i've ever met was um or two of them i'll tell you the story uh an nypd detective Mm-hmm. That was at a show uh, that I did years ago up in um, Tremblant or some one of the resorts up there. And talking to him afterwards was amazing. Like he was retired, wow. but he told me what he saw and whatever and how he got about it. And um, I once golfed with a uh, New York firefighter who had survived 9-11. That's cool. Just randomly paired up with him and his brother and listening. Like he was open about it. You know, and I said, hey, what do you do? And he goes, well, I go around and I lecture. And I go, oh, what do you talk about? He goes, well, I survived 9-11. I was a firefighter mm-hmm. in the tower. And I was just like, I don't care about golf anymore. Please do tell me your story. Yeah. And at, at the end of the round, you know, you always shake hands. Yes. Yeah. When you're still allowed, right? <laughs> we were allowed touching. Um, no social distancing, yeah. Yeah. I just was like, I've never met you, but can I just give you a hug and buy you a beer? And he was like, sure. Yeah, well, and I think that's what people are missing is that just make the connection. It, so, so many things in what you said is that, you know, you said Rwanda, 94, and we think it's it's only 26 years ago, right? Um, uh, and, yeah. and we see what's, and, you know, we would never thought that we'd see another genocide, and, and we see now what's going on in Armenia again. Um, it, it just, it, it really boggles my mind how humans um can can easily so forget and just we could be so uh tribal and so mean and so disgusting with each other i think we're Um, the only species that kills out of hate right not out of protection not out of you know like oh my god you're taking you know my you attack my 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 cub and now that is my job my maternal job to protect my cub but we're just like, oh, you owe me seven dollars for a, a shitty hamburger. I don't have seven bucks. Stab, stab, stab. Yeah. You know, it's. Uh, I mean, look, it's just the way society is, and hopefully that when we do get out of this, and we will get out of this, um, it humbles us a little, and it, as mankind, and it'll just be like, listen, you know, it doesn't matter how many dollars you got in the bank. You know, and how many cars you got in the in the garage? Guess what? There's a virus. It's gonna smack your ass, no matter who you are. Really, it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter, um, Joey. And Bill Burr had a great skit on that, didn't he? Say he goes, "What COVID wiped out Al Qaeda? What happened to Al Qaeda? I don't hear. I don't That's hear. Right. What's what? Were they all caught? Uh, they all caught COVID? I don't understand. I think maybe they did. I mean, we don't know what the healthcare system is in the uh, the mountains. <laughs> that's you true know, or did i've did seen he, those mountains they are snow-capped it's uh you know but yeah there's a lot of things we haven't you know that still go on i mean look there was another man of uh in what was it philadelphia another black mm-hmm. man that was shot yes um more protests yeah you know they could look they could have tased him his mother was yelling from the side don't shoot my baby. He's not well. Mental health issues. Again. How much more can you have than a mother 
try the only thing that mother could have done and was probably prevented from doing was jumping in front of her son to protect him but imagine you know like the days of of growing up and you know uh i remember i'm 48 i remember being taught that oh if you're in trouble go find a police officer if i had children today i'd be like listen to me you flag down a car get into a taxi give them the address to the house and i will pay for it when you get there what about the cops i don't know about the cops man i don't know about them son because one is good one is bad and if you get one of them on a bad day who the hell knows what's going to happen and this is coming from a white guy i've been you know i can't even imagine being a man of like uh, a visible minority, whether it's black or, or, uh, you know, you're from Southeast Asia, whatever, it doesn't matter. You are like, I've seen it. And, you know, you, you go to say something to the police officer and they, you know, they come at you like, Hey, mind your own business. And like, if I had any balls and a, and a bulletproof vest, I'd be like, listen, how about you honor the oath that you took? I think there's there's a, a combination of, of of issues here. Um, it all goes back to the mayor. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I think it goes back to uh, not properly being trained. Um, oh, absolutely. Instead of defunding the police, like a lot of them are calling for, it, it's on the contrary. You got to give them more money and more training. But also, they have to break it down to. I think that if you get a call for somebody in distress, yes. And I mean distress in a sense of uh, not conjugal or physical violence, but somebody who's having a mental episode. Yes. You don't need anybody with live weaponry or armament in that house. What you need is to be armed with a psychologist who understands those situations, who has seen whether it's uh, bipolar, anxiety, depression, PTSD, uh, you know, uh, somebody uh, schizophrenic forgot to take the medication and, you know, for the first, because the cops don't know if that's the first time or, you know, the hundredth time. It could be literally that individual forgot to take medication that morning in a rush. And had an episode. Yeah. And had an episode. And now all of a sudden their family has to worry about, oh my God, somebody called the cops on Joey. Uh, you know, he likes to tell people off when he's off his meds, you know, what's going to happen. Well, there's a good chance that I'm not coming home. The problem, the problem with that, Joey, is that how do you do that on scale, right? On paper? Yes. I, I would agree with you 100%, right? But where is, is it feasible to do it on a large scale on a macro scale in terms of, uh, trying to diversify your calls when you, you get a call in from 911, somebody's in mental distress, and what if they're not able to, if you don't know that they're in mental distress, let's say somebody else calls it in. So automatically, it's always going to be a cop that's going to be there. Well, right? okay. So you have a cop go with a psychologist. I mean, that's, you know, but um, just to have large weaponry come through and you don't know, we'll never know until somebody has, you know, the cojones to try it. True. You know, maybe you, maybe you start off as a, as a pilot project in, in four big sectors of Montreal you know, or it's, uh, you know, let's say Ville Marie and then somewhere on the South shore, somewhere on the West Island. And then somewhere, let's say, 
random, you know, and see how it goes. And then you can take that and do it in other parts of the country and, and then also, implement it. I mean, look, yeah. the RCMP is not having a great six months of PR either. No. You know, they, I don't know if you saw that new video last night from Williams Lake also. No, I missed that. Two missed RCMP guys just pounding on an indigenous man. Oh, well. You yeah. know? Yeah, that's so, something new, unfortunately, Joey. No, and that's the thing is that I think that uh, when somebody says it's not systematic, um, I understand that not, you know, the word systematic means people think it may be the majority but it doesn't mean anything. You can have 10 people out of a, out of 300, but if they know how to, as one exits, they bring another person in, that's a system. Yes, and as is. long as that system keeps running, then there's still going to be like that little mishap in the cog that goes on, right? So, yeah, we got a lot of figuring out to do as mankind, but I'm hopeful I'm, I've always remained hopeful. Uh, I mean, I know we are better off today where we were 30, 40, 50 years ago. And in and, and the sand of time, that's 50 years, even 100 years is nothing. Um, yeah, we still, however, on that note, we have a really long way to go. We really yeah. do in terms of how we treat. We, we've touched on indigenous. We've touched on our elderly. We've touched on our veterans that have gone to war to, for us. Uh, and have defended us and defended other countries as well in in our in their time of need. Look uh, at what the Netherlands does every year, man. For D Day, you know, in in the Netherlands and on D Day remembrance, they thank the Canadians, and on November 11th they go out and they fill the Canadians, um, you know, uh, cemetery out there, full of poppies. That's amazing. You know, because they remember and they are still thankful to this day. And they, you, you talk about passing down from gener generation to generation. Mm -hmm. That's taught from family to family and it's taught in schools. But that, I forget the village, but that particular village, they know, like, if it wasn't for the Canadians, we would not be here today. Okay. And then you have the opposite of what you just said. And I've discussed this elsewhere. And I'm going to say it to you because I know. Then you have certain um, student unions saying it's too offensive to teach about the Holocaust. Yeah. It's too dramatic. All I can I, say uh, is I don't, I don't have an educated comment to say, but are you fucking kidding me? Are you so fucking weak? Yeah. This fucking generation. I don't know how many F-bombs I, I put in there. That's that you can't even handle the truth and the reality of what happened to how many millions of Jews? Well, six million. Are, are you can't handle that? Listen, it's, it's too traumatic I think, for you. I think it's important, and 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 it's this is uh, you know, I'm a grandson of of two Holocaust survivors. My grandmother still has the number from Auschwitz. I that didn't she know that. Survived. There you go. And I think it's important, and I think it's a key in educating people against anti-Semitism, and. You know, when we say fight racism or, you know, or we're fighting anti-Semitism or anti-Islam or, you know, anything anti, it's, um, it's about being educated. It's about listening. It's about understanding, you know, what the past was for these individuals. And if we start really taking that to heart, then maybe history will stop repeating itself. 
Absolutely, because you, you know. could use the Holocaust as an example of just Rwanda, Turkey, yeah, Armenia, right? The South Sudan, right? Darfur. Absolutely, isn't that such a there? You have your 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 moment in time that no one will ever should forget as a teaching tool, and and now you have. Because of the, I don't know what is going on. I really don't know at what point we lost track of reality where we're raising a bunch of pansies and that they're triggered and that they need safe rooms and that that uh, you can't say a comedian can't come or a political commentator can't come on a university ground because, and then a teacher like Jordan Peterson can't say what he says. He refuses to call you a he, she, fee, pee, poo, too, too, blah, blah, blah. Uh, come on, man. We've lost, we've lost reality. You're on a rant there. That was good. Keep going. Uh, I, but I, I keep. Oh, I, get, I get it. Well, for me, it, it becomes frustrating uh, at the comedy club. You know, yeah. I always thought that the comedy stage was going to be um, the last place of uncensored, you know, space and. I, look, there are certain things that you'll never say on stage. And, you know, the line is you don't cross the line into being a racist or a bigot or um, promoting it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Point out how absolutely stupid it is, you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, Joey. Um, but that's why comedy clubs have to open. Yes. Right? Because we all need a break from this horse shit. Absolutely. We do need you know? a break. And if the government doesn't realize that, you know, look, they're feeding us a lot of material. As long as there's government officials, comedians will never, ever be unemployed. That is fact. Because sure. as soon, I don't know what happens. As soon as you become elected, a little bit of your brain falls off. You know what I mean? It's kind yeah. of like the Arctic ice shelf. Oh, you're... Yeah. Uh, I've said, that, now. I've said that many times and like you I have friends you know because I study political science in university me too. and I have friends that ask me you know when are you going to run in, in politics I'm like guys do you not see what I do and how I speak and how I think I would last five minutes in politics before a party oh yeah me. if I literally and first of all the way they dig up shit nowadays <laughs> okay this is my first press conference hi listen I uh, I drank a lot I stayed up late. I traveled. I probably said a lot of horrible, horrible things. Maybe some on video. Oh, by the way, I love the marijuana. <laughs> now, if we can see through that, here are my policies. And, it's legal. It, and that's what I say. If the guy or woman, you know, made these mistakes when they were 15, who didn't make mistakes when they were 15? Exactly. Who didn't try hot wiring a car, exactly. you know, at 15? Yeah. Who didn't go and hit a jukebox and accidentally shatter it because, well, Fonzie did it. It must have been cool. Yeah. But you broke it. Now you owe the guy like 150 bucks. And you're like, what? But yet, I'm going to be a nominee for the Supreme Court. And I'm supposed to remember how I touched maybe a girl on her. I put my finger on her leg 40, 50. I would years remember ago. that. I mean, I'm not a ladies' man. <laughs> you know, I remember all my interactions with women, they're very just... singular. It's it's a, like how there's no statute before you said there's no statute on limitations on anything now, Joey. No, <laughs> but that's the that's but that's in the 
you know, there are certain things that don't have a statute of limitations, and those are the ones that don't deserve it, right? Rightfully but so, in yes. the in the uh, court of public opinion, there is no statute of limitations. And you know You're going to find a video of me at seven uh, peeing my pants and saying, like, look at me, I'm an old man. And then people are going to take a shit on me because, oh, look at Joey Elias making fun of the old men. Ha, yeah. ha, ha. Now yeah. he is one. I hope he shits himself twice today. Like, uh, I was seven. Okay, so on that, on that, something is brought up. About my some... shitting myself, I say no, no, no shitting, no shitting, no shitting. But like, what happened to forgiveness? Everyone's fucked up one moment in their life, Joey. So when I say that, I mean, for example, you take Louis C.K. For example, okay. At what point do you say? You know what? The guy fucked up. He's still funny. Who cares? Let's carry on. What the fuck is the big deal? That's up to the person. And I understand when it comes to a situation and a topic like that, that's a personal decision. But I always said this when people would email me or text me when I did have the radio show, you know, and it was a comedy show. And I would, you know, they would get very upset at some of the comedians that I would play. Now, I have to admit there were certain comics that I was told by management not to play, just so that they don't get complaints and stuff like that. Um, but I stayed away from that. I didn't play, you know, after Cosby did what he did, never played him again. When Louie did what he did, never played him again. Why? It's easier for me and I think all radio hosts to stay away from that. Now, comedy clubs are still booking Louie, right? And people are up in arms about it. Again, I'm not saying that it's right. I'm not saying that it's wrong. But just because I disagree with something doesn't make it right to be outraged about it. No, what do you absolutely. do? You don't buy tickets. You don't go. That's all. If, uh, you know, you didn't like it, you flip the station for uh, the same way, you know, if somebody's watching, uh, you know, I look at football. You know, Sunday afternoons, you have a, a preference of games to choose from. Mm -hmm. One's boring, you flip the channel. Yeah. Same thing. So a comedian or a band you're not like because of something that they did, but just don't but, go. But I've always said that, Joey. As long you as have, they haven't physically hurt somebody. You have every right. And I get to people are going to type in what about mental, you know, hurt. And I get that as well. Um, but, you know. Oh, uh, we're going to tiptoe around life, Joey. Listen, you have every right to be outraged. You do. Okay. But like sure. you said. Sometimes, just you, but just because you're outraged doesn't make you right. Doesn't make you right, number one. Number two, like you said, you always have that option. Walk out, change the channel, change the, the station. Don't go. Don't watch my show as I've done. Not what I've learned to do now in my older age and I've become a lot wiser. Is, you know, people ask me, Lou, why do you do this? You put yourself out there. I said, yes, I do. I do it because I love it, number one. And number two, you know what? What I've, what I've made a conscious decision now, I don't engage anymore. I tell them thanks for watching with your with your stupid comments. Just feel free not to watch me. That's all. Yeah. I don't engage anymore. And and my buddy just brought up a great point. And I was going to ask you, right? What do we do? So in this point, what do we? Mike Ward also is not supposed to ever work again. Um. Again, I think Mike Ward was so misunderstood that uh, again the punchline was not. It was just misunderstood and taken out of 
context and and listen i don't want to bring up the kid or his family or whatever no. but but that kid put you listen that kid was in the spotlight there's an unwritten rule that if you're in the spotlight or you put yourself in the spotlight if you get more than like half a million views on on youtube you're a public figure and public figures are all open to you know uh likes and dislikes you know like I, I just think about it like does the kid email you know, YouTube and have every dislike of his video taken down or what? There have been things said about me that I, you know, obviously people, not everybody, that's what you have to learn. Not everybody is going to like you. Exactly. And when you get over that and you get over yourself and you just go, all right, maybe I can win them over. You know, I remember one guy would email me every night at the radio station, every night. He would email me about how shit this was and how much he hated me and this and that. And finally, I said to him, I said, you know what? I'm, I'm headlining the Comedy Nest this weekend. I said, uh, I'd be like surprised if you have uh, a wife. <laughs> <laughs> but would you like to be, you know, my guest at, the, uh, at my, um, my show? And he came down. And at the end of the show, he came over and he said, you know, I got it all wrong. He goes, I just misjudged you. Wow. And I said, there you go. You know, I gave you a second chance. I could have been one of those guys who just, you know, been like, oh, this guy doesn't like me. Fuck him. Block, 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 block. But like you said, yes. second chances. Uh, I believe in second chances. If it wasn't for second chances, I don't think many of us would be here. Absolutely. I understand you can't get a second chance for murdering somebody. I get it. You're never going to get a second chance from raping somebody, nor should you. Yes. But you know what? Sometimes you have to understand that everybody has a weakness, and sometimes we, we fall to it. I'm guilty of it, man. I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. I've no. fucked up numerous times. You know, no, I've never been married, but I've screwed up, and mm -hmm. I feel guilty for it. Would I like a second chance? Sure. And you deserve, you know, it. some people will give it to you. Some people don't. It's all it again. It's all, you know, some people like mustard relish on their, their hot dogs. Some people like ketchup and relish. Some well, people listen, be like, just shoo. Sh listen, show me, show me a flawless human. Show me one. It's impossible. Right? The, see, but the problem with the, the Mike Ward thing I had is that I think they crossed the line there now, Joey. Do they you? crossed, they crossed the line. Sorry, not, 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 not Mike Ward. I'm saying the fact that this went before the human rights tribunal and oh they won. That's 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 a dangerous slope that we're going down there. Really dangerous. Yeah. It and is very he lost his appeal, I guess, as well. And well, he's now he's going to the Supreme Court. And he's trying to bring he's trying to bring it to the uh, Superior Court, yeah, right of Quebec or or Canada. I hope both. Okay. I hope it makes it to the Canadian um Supreme Court just because you know, I think that uh, once you take it out, of, I mean, not that every province shouldn't have a Supreme Court, but I think once you get to the the law of the land and they make it, you know, so that, again, I don't know how you dictate, I don't know how you control, like, I mean, like, how do you control the hatred on the internet other than fighting back with it and then you end up getting put in Twitter jail? Isn't that yeah. the norm? Like, you know? Um, oh, it's yeah. It's a no-one situation. It's a no-one no situation. No. So that that's that's why in particular this one interests me is because this is a really really dangerous really dangerous zone that 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 this 
I mean, look at the the the. Well, we're we're going back to Lenny Bruce times now, right? Of, yeah. You know the cops waiting in the back, and oh, is he going to say this? Is he going to say that? Oh, he said it. Let's go get him. You know, yeah. and then you know, oh, you can't arrest me for that. Oh, but you have drugs on you. Oh shit, you know. And yeah, well, well how far are we from that? This, uh, pretty close. We're the guy close. lost in front of a human rights tribunal and had to pay. Well, I, what, how... like, I mean, how close are we to the office de Long Francaise coming in and saying, listen, uh, 50% of your jokes, no matter where you are, have to be French. <laughs> I mean, I, would, the, the, I, I, mean, I put, don't know. I, I mean, I them. joke sometimes that, you know, the English club is in, you know, the upper, like the attic of an old building because that's where Anglophones are going to go eventually. Yeah. You know, and I believe that sometimes. I do believe that we're going to end up, you know, if we don't open our mouths, we're going to end up like running down an alley and, you know, knocking on a door, Cuba Libre. And then we get in and, you know, we have our illegal poutine with shredded cheese instead of the curds, you know? I don't know where we're going. I always ask myself that question, you know, and I ask backwards. my guests, like, where backwards. are we going? We're going backwards. It's, uh, but it's kind of a weird, I was trying to figure out this the other day. How are we going to explain this to the future generations? You know, like, you think about, oh, my God, you lived through a pandemic. Like, when I'm, like, let's say, I don't know, 70, you know? So 30 years from now, my little nephew, who's one now, he's going to come up to me and be, you know, what was it like? What did you do? I'm like, I'll tell you what I did. I sat on my fat ass. I finished all of Netflix. I even watched shit movies. I smoked weed all day until I slept, and then I woke up, until I, and then I, I was hungry. I ate and repeat every day. It was it was Groundhog Day Every for eight day. months. It, and this is what also, you know, just to go back to the, the, you know, when we had that little opening, you know, when we were allowed to open July 1st, mm -hmm. it, it was almost, and now that we, you know, we're back in shutdown, none of us really got the ball rolling. You know, we never got, like, personally, I never got the momentum going to where I wanted it to be. You know, in terms yeah, of, of even for my personal performance, you know, because it was stop, go, stop. And I totally felt like the government is the fisherman. I'm the fish. They threw the bait in. I bit it. They unhooked me. They were like, ah, let him go. And now they threw the fucking bait back in and I bit it again. Yeah. Yeah. So who's dumber? You know, me, the government, I think at one point, I don't know what the answer is. Should they have opened? Yes, for sure. Should they have stayed open? Absolutely. Sure. Um, look, I'm saying this. If you're still going to let your kids go to school, then comedy clubs should be open. I listen. My kids go to school, and I agree with you 100%. I say very simple, okay? Let's do like Sweden and some other countries. You take care of your most vulnerable, right? Your elderly, whatever, autoimmune issues, stay home, whatever. And everyone else that wants to continue with their life, let them be. Social distancing, masks in restaurants, and let them take the fucking chance. I will but you know what? It'd be okay if everybody did wear the masks and, and the social distancing. But, of course, like you brought up, you got the one guy in the coffee shop or the train or the restaurant, whatever. You always have that one. It only takes one to ruin a party. Of course. I mean, then you have protests. I was usually that one, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> or the guy that you were waiting for, you got stuck in the party there, the, the skit that I paid at the beginning. But and then you oh have my god protests. there's more to that joke though oh for sure there is it was it was a short it was a short clip so that's why yeah. i chose that one so um 
but yeah, like I said, we're, we're living in the, in in the times that everyone has a problem with everything. I, it's the twilight zone. I feel really like is. it's. Um, I don't know if it's like, you know, the Truman Show, but I feel like there's way too much weird crap going on in the world at once. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, look at politics. You look at now. You got murder hornets. You know what else? And then at one point they found uh, an like a flesh-eating amoeba in the water in Texas that was eating people's brains. Like, shut up! Like what? You know, like what else? What else could happen I don't, in twenty twenty? I don't want to know. But listen, you know what I'm I mean? convinced. Like, I'm convinced either either the Truman Show or there, there's some other intelligent life form looking down on us. And I'm not starting with the conspiracies and say. Jesus Christ! I'm not. We're gonna come down and take these people. This is intelligent life form. Let them fucking. Well, kill maybe me. they're playing with us. They're manipulating. That would be great if on uh, if on Wednesday, you know, the day after uh, Trump loses the election, hopefully <laughs> he he pulls off a mask and he's an alien. He's Surprise! like, I told you, I was gonna fuck up the world, you know, and. <laughs> Uh, one of my good friends again, Joe, is saying 5G. Yeah, that's an ongoing joke about the 5G. Remember those? Oh, no, we don't we don't hear about those anymore. Eh? Well, that's because everybody who burnt them is in prison. <laughs> By the way, that was a good looking couple that was burning down the. Yes. You know, like when you think of criminals, you don't think of wow. She was a model, wasn't she? And he was she also he was fit. He was good looking. Like that was a good couple. Yeah. You're like. I don't know, man. So, like so, I said, I promote the marijuana. Like, if everybody just smoked the marijuana once, you know, chill, once man. a day, I think just everybody chill. would just be a little less stressed. You know, maybe that, maybe that, uh, something to work out. Like, if I do run for mayor, everybody oh, that uh, doesn't make, you know, X amount of money, that's my look at me breaking the law, I'm rubbing my eye. You should do it, Joey. You Crazy. should run. You should run. So, listen, I want to, I want to, I wanted to run this, this last story okay the, the last right. one of the, the evening just because you know you are in acting and i wanted to get your i just came across this what i would think is pretty disturbing uh -oh. um i don't know if you heard this according to the academy awards the new best picture rules which go into full effect in 2024 films must meet at least two of four new standards oh yeah i heard about this yeah that stipulate roles both on screen and behind the scenes, be filled by people from underrepresented groups, including race, women, LGBTQ, and people with cognitive or physical disabilities, including the deaf that. and hard of hearing. I agree with that because I think that uh, I've never experienced it. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna. I, I can't deny it. I mean, I am white privilege in HD. You know, I I have 4K? been given. 5g what 4k uh whatever we're on um honestly like i have been given so many opportunities to go places to do things with people uh you know just to to tour places just because i'm a funny white male and i think that the more you talk to people in the industry especially in the directing field so many eligible candidates for the job of director. Women, I know have been passed over. I know men of color, like personally that, you know, have been passed over for that. I'm sure 
in the uh, LGBTQ community. You know, um, the one thing I like, and and I hope it it stays, but I hope it also helps everybody. Is everybody's got their niche little things now, right? So you have, yeah. you know, the the you know, I'm bringing up Jewish filmmakers and Italian filmmaker society, and they're all trying to help each other out. Wouldn't it be beneficial if all the filmmakers came together and helped? I mean, what I'd really love to see, and hopefully maybe somebody from the actors union is listening, but this is in the States, you know, this is, you know, the Academy Awards, but maybe some of the higher ups here in Canada, the bigger companies, the bells, the, the, the people that produce stuff, um, they can hold some, you know, some sort of, I know Ted talks a Rogers thing and I just mm -hmm. brought up bell, but whatever. Um, you know, if they can come together and do some sort of Ted talk to inspire and tell these young women, these young men and women of color, these indigenous directors and writers, mm -hmm. you know, like some of those movies that um, I know CBC or CBC gem has been playing and they're all from indigenous writers or filmmakers. Some of them are phenomenal because again, a storytelling community historically who better than to put those stories in that culture to film absolutely right i mean it's phenomenal so i think that that is a good initiative and especially with like uh, i like the fact that they bring in you know the uh, physical disabilities uh law in there because again i think that there's too many people that without being told it you know they're like oh they're very capable but you know they're in a wheelchair so we're gonna have to fucking build ramps and widen the door and this mm. and, you know we don't think of these little costs because we're able people bought you know able-bodied people but these are things that people have to go through and are discriminated against every day of their lives so little gestures i always say this a little gesture goes a long way and we never know like i i'll tell you this one quick story um i was in a cafe one day and there was a gentleman you know and the and the, the gentleman the young gentleman behind the counter was working alone quite busy and there was a two guys younger guys maybe in their mid-30s business people standing at the counter and he gives the kid a little bit of attitude mm -hmm. and then he tells the barista kid you should smile more now somebody who has anxiety that is the worst thing you can say to somebody right sure. after are you pregnant to a woman <laughs> right just don't do it don't do it man just don't do it but something in me you know i like to speak up i don't care good and i said to the guy go man you really shouldn't do that you know don't tell people to smile or because you know what you don't know what they're going through you don't know what they're going through and he goes well you don't know what i'm going through and in front of a full line, I go, well, with your personality, I'm guessing a divorce. And I, the guy was going to kill me, you know, but, and I said, you just don't just get, you know, get out of here. And the kid was so thankful after he's like, that guy comes in every day and bothers the hell out of me. He goes, he makes me so anxious every time I come in. That's how, you know, I said, well, hopefully I said, you may have lost a customer, but it wasn't a worthy customer. Absolutely, because you know there's a difference between quality and quantity. Yes, you so, said it, you said it perfectly. You yeah, don't, so you don't. And as I, I I use this line a lot lately, as I get older, 
I learned to appreciate that I don't judge anybody because you don't know what they're going through. You don't know exactly. what happened that morning. You don't know what happened the night before. And that goes back to you being able to forgive people. Absolutely. But allow me to pay the devil's advocate on what you said, Joey. Because, uh -oh. you know, the show is called Agree to Disagree. And it's okay. Right. Oh, I like fine. that. So one thing. Did it maybe the fact that you, yes, you are, but you said something. You said you're a white comedian. Mm -hmm. But maybe the white male comedian. White male comedian, yes. But did you ever think about one that you're, and I know you are a very good comedian, and that based on the merits of this talent and the work that you put in, you deserve that? So, irregardless if you're a white male comedian, and right historically, of course, correctly if I'm wrong, less women have gone into to comedy. So that's why you're going to see less women comedians as a whole. Yeah, the I mean, same it, way. it's an old boys club for sure. Yes. So, or it was, it, it was, and that's fine. But I mean, things have changed, but I'm saying is, I don't think that you're unjustly giving yourself that white privilege. Maybe <laughs> no, but sometimes my friends maybe, who are watching this right now would be like, Lou, you're going to argue with this guy. He's never given him credit. I, <laughs> if somebody said to me the other week that, uh, the way I beat my, if I, oh, if I boxed, uh, the way I beat myself up, I can take on the champion. I'm tough on myself professionally because I don't want to, I don't want to rest and rely on my resume. You know, what I've done is great and like it's that. opened my eyes to the world and I've gotten to see crazy places and meet crazy people, uh, astronauts, you know, uh, the first man that ever walked on the moon, I got to meet Neil Armstrong. Come on. I mean, that's Amazing. crazy to me, you know? Um, but again, I don't rest on my laurels. I don't care that, uh, I'm, you know, that I have a TV gig. I, I didn't care that I had a radio gig. Uh, I work hard on every episode that I do now for global, you know, uh, every show that I, and more so during this pandemic, like I said, when we opened up for that, that wee bit on, on July 1st until just October there. Um, I felt it was so, I felt like a rookie again. Yeah. You know, like I, I did, I went in and I told the owner who books the lineup, I said, uh, I want to open every show. And he was like, well, why is that? And I was like, well, when I started doing stand up, I only opened and we've been off for five months. So I'm restarting. So we're going to start from zero. Yep. You know, my new project that I literally started today was uh, I have a couple of these fundraising shows, like I said, uh, coming up and, and some office party shows via Skype, Zoom, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm hoping that when the clubs open for good, you know, uh, yeah. and when there is a vaccine, uh, I want to come back with uh, all new material. That's awesome. So that's uh, basically I started doing that today, putting down some ideas. So hopefully when this is all over and um, like I said, when the clubs open up across the country at full capacity, because we're all going to get a vaccine, we're all going to get a vaccine. <laughs> I don't want to hear these. I, I will come back on your show and I will have taken the vaccine as will you. And we get to uh, physically hurt people that don't take it. <laughs> 
That's all. I'd, I'd love that. I'd love that. And that's when I get to call the lawyer who gave me his card. So on that note, uh, it's been it's been uh, streaming at the bottom. Uh, could they get uh, could all whoever's watching and interested get your content on joeyelias.com? They can, or uh, they follow me on Twitter, which uh, is at Bruins underscore five one four. I am a Bruins fan. I just want to clarify this. I grew up in Montreal, and I was a Habs fan my whole life, diehard. Okay, but I always looked at sports as an escape from the outside world. Right. Yes. I didn't want politics to invade my sports. And when Randy Cunningworth wasn't rehired because they were like, well, he doesn't speak French. I thought, go fuck yourself. You don't care about winning. You care about pleasing politicians and some journalists. Yeah. I want to go and follow a team that wants to win where the owners dedicated. And I thought other than the Habs players, who was my favorite player? And it was Cam Neely. Yes. Right. Yep. Uh, the B behind me is actually a gift. It's a Bobby Orr painting, but, and that's why, and I've been a Bruins fan ever since. And it's not that I don't listen. I'll watch hockey. Any, anybody. I love that game. Mm -hmm. I love the game. You know, I love it. Um, I'll watch it. And especially like the late games, you know, like um, coming home from gigs and you still get to watch like a Vancouver San Jose gig. As a Bruins fan, I used to love San Jose because you had, Big Joe. Sure. Right? You had Thornton. So you had somebody to... Uh, Check this out. I, I see. Yeah, but that's <laughs> Leonard. I know Leonard. And um, like I said, Leonard's one of those guys who will tell you that it's uh, incredibly fun for the other person when somebody recognizes me. Because uh, <laughs> it's it's really... It's flattering. And this may come as a surprise as we, we talk for like, I don't know, two, three hours, whatever, but it's fun. Yeah. Um, I am shy. I am a painfully shy man. Um, if I'm not 100% comfortable with the person or the situation I'm in, mm -hmm. it doesn't go well. That's amazing. You know, like it, so uh, Len has been, um, first of all, Leonard's a fine comedian himself. And probably one of the most, if not the most supportive individual of the Montreal comedy scene and the comedians in it, more so than I, I have to say. Okay. Um, it's not that I don't support them. He's just open to more of them than I am. Okay. He believes in more of them than I do. I think some, you know, I honestly, and I'll say this because it is agree to disagree. I thought some of the people during the pandemic that should have quit didn't. <laughs> I that's a great way to go out on that's for sure uh tell tell us what's what's next for you joey um global every sunday at okay. uh, 6 p.m and okay. or on their website All right. uh i'm on twitter i am on uh the instagram uh the official instagram. joey elias okay. I, i'm old i say the <laughs> right um, so cool but what's I'll, coming I'll... up hopefully Hopefully, um, the comedy clubs will be open, and the uh, my headlining weekend that just got postponed will be rescheduled. Uh, I have some charity events online to look forward to for uh, Bladder Cancer Canada and for uh, Sauntrade. Mm -hmm. I know that. So um, just if you go and follow me on Twitter, I let people know. And and hopefully, if you want an office party or something like that, um, just you know follow me on Twitter or email me through the uh, the website, and we'll. 
we'll figure out a way to get laughter to the masses. I will definitely, I'm going to share this on uh, social media. I'm going to tag you on Twitter and Instagram as well. Sweet. Uh, Joey, from the bottom of my heart, honestly, thank you so much because I, uh, we're almost the same age. I'm 45. I've known about you and we've had mutual friends since I was. And, and you told me we played ball hockey against one. Yeah. Remember, remember Angelo McCorney? Sure, man. Yeah. He's well, that's your, now, now you put the name he's, he's to, one the, of my best uh, friends. to the hall people. Yeah. He's, he's one of my best friends. So he says hi, by the way. He's going to go. Oh, man. He's, he's gonna the best. Be he was a good brilliant. ball player. He was, he was a really good hockey he player. Yes. Yeah, I was shit. <laughs> I was awful. Uh, I was there for uh, to see how honestly I was there for humor, yeah, and protection after the games when yeah. one of our guys would get a little chirpy. Always, always. You remember? I mean, there yeah, were, of course, stupidity. Of course, we it was just... in the same bar, being friends forever. We were so stupid. We were so stupid. But man, I wouldn't trade those years for nothing. Me neither. Nah, but but I really, from the bottom of my heart, this has been great. Honestly, uh, I've admired you. I've loved your comedy. Uh, you as a person as well for for oh, many many years. I really do appreciate. I appreciate what you do for everybody, and for representing Montreal the way you do. And I I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you have nothing better else to do because of COVID, <laughs> but still, you still did it. And, and we did, uh, hey, we, did two, uh, we did two hours. It's, well, you know what? It's uh, been a pleasure. Honestly, it didn't feel like two hours at all. And uh, I hope people were entertained and I just hope this ends. You know what I mean? Like I said, I hope to do this again with you one day, but we can be at the same desk and, you know, cheers, you know, and, and hug it out at the end. So, absolutely. uh, yeah, absolutely. just stay safe. And, and seriously, people wear masks for crying out loud. Yeah. And when you're allowed out, please come to a comedy club. Guys, you heard Joey, when you can hit the comedy Cubs, uh, wear your masks and thank you everybody guys, uh, hit our social media, press like subscribe. I'm going to share it. I like, I always do guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I think it's been a pretty good, um, um audience tonight and i really yeah, appreciate man. it again thank you thanks again joey stay on we'll chat after all right man have a have a good evening everyone thanks for tuning in thanks for listening to the agree to disagree show make sure you like subscribe and tell all your friends about it until next time <laughs>